Welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and today we'll be discussing the ALMS trial, mycophenolate mofetil versus cyclophosphamide for induction treatment of lupus nephritis. This is so named for the Espriva Lupus Management Study Group. It was published by Wolfsey et al. in the Journal of the American Society of Nephrology in 2009. So for background, we already talked a little bit about this earlier this week. But lupus nephritis is one of the most devastating complications of lupus. Treatment at the time of this study included IV cyclophosphamide, a regimen with significant toxicity, including bladder toxicity, which improved with mesna, ovarian and testicular failure, which we have done some things to mitigate. It required monthly infusions, caused a lot of cytopenias, a lot of hair loss, etc. We discussed cytoxin more in depth in episode 6, so I won't belabor the point here. There were some small trials that were done that showed an equivalent benefit to mycophenolate mofetil, or Celsept, to cyclophosphamide. So in this study, they set out to see if Celsept was better than cyclophosphamide. Let's get into the methods. So this was a pretty large 88-center international trial. 88 centers is quite a lot. This spanned the globe from Asia to Latin America to Europe to the United States. It was done from 2005 to 2006. The authors decided to go with an open-label study, so this was not blind. There were no sham administrations of cyclophosphamide, people didn't get placebo cellcept. They got randomized to a group, they knew which group they are in, and that's what they received. The people who got cellcept were started at 1 gram per day, technically 500 milligrams twice daily, and uptitrated to 1500 milligrams twice daily. The folks in the cyclophosphamide group were given 0.5 to 1 gram per meter squared monthly pulses for 24 weeks, so essentially six months of induction, which is still pretty much what we do today. All the patients were diagnosed with class 3, class 4, or class 5 nephritis. Remember, these are the ones that we think we may be able to impact with immunosuppression. Both groups got prednisone, starting at 60 milligrams, and then tapered downwards. Interestingly, pulse dose steroids were actually prohibited within two weeks of enrollment, which is quite a bit different from what we do now, where patients generally get pulse-dose steroids up front. There is an induction and maintenance phase to this study. In the maintenance phase, it kind of picked up after this study was concluded, and they pitted azathioprine against Celsept. Celsept wound up quite a bit better than azathioprine, so we're not going to discuss that further. Inclusion criteria were age between 12 to 75, lupus by the ACR criteria, a biopsy within six months of the study, and lupus nephritis class 3, 4, 5, and greater than 2 grams of proteinuria. Exclusions were treatment with Celsept or cyclophosphamide within the prior year, continuous dialysis for 2 weeks before randomization or anticipated duration longer than 8 weeks, pancreatitis, gastrointestinal hemorrhage within 6 months or active peptic ulcers within 3 months, severe viral infections, severe cardiovascular disease, bone marrow insufficiency, etc., I think the main point is that people couldn't be on one of the study drugs. They couldn't have some sort of systemic complication that was life-threatening, and they couldn't have any active infections. The primary outcome was a good one. Decrease in proteinuria, less than 3 grams, or a 50% decrease if the patient had been under 3 grams at admission, and stabilization or improvement in serum creatinine at 24 weeks. Stabilization they defined as plus or minus 25%. Secondary endpoints were complete remission, which they defined as proteinuria of less than 500 milligrams and no sediment, 
various markers of systemic disease activity, and damage and safety indices. The analysis was done by intention to treat, and there was a per-protocol sensitivity analysis that was performed as well, so pretty solid statistics in general. The results of the study were that 460 patients were screened, 370 of whom were randomized, 185 into each group. That's a pretty big trial, especially in rheumatology. 150 patients completed the cell sept arm, and 156 completed the cyclophosphamide arm. There was no crossover between the two. There were more withdrawals in the cell sept group than cyclophosphamide, which were largely due to adverse events. 21 events occurred in the cell sept group, and 12 events in the cyclophosphamide group, which is interesting because generally we would consider cell sept to be a better tolerated drug. Roughly 85% of patients were female. They were about 31 years on average. 40% were white, which is not bad. That speaks to the strength of this being an international study. It had a lot of populations that we generally don't see in studies that were carried out in America, especially ones that were done in single centers. Around 70% of patients had class 4 nephritis, which is generally regarded as the most uh, aggressive one. 35% had scarring. The mean protein to creatinine ratio was 4.1 grams daily, which is a lot of protein. 90% of patients in the cell sept arm got more than 2.5 grams a day, and the mean dose of cyclophosphamide was 5.6. So this shows that they generally adhered to the study pretty well. What did they find? The primary endpoint was achieved in 56.2% of patients in cell sept group and 53% of patients in the cyclophosphamide group. The per-protocol analysis supported the intention to treat protocol, with 63% of patients in cell subgroup and 57% of patients in the cyclophosphamide group meeting the primary endpoint. Neither of these results were statistically significant. At week 24, 70% of patients in the cell subgroup and 68% of patients in the cyclophosphamide group had improved. This was also not statistically significant. There are no differences with respect to class of nephritis. An interesting post hoc subset analysis has actually impacted a lot of our practices. So after they started analyzing the data, they realized that the other race category, which wound up being primarily black, had a much better response to cell sept than to cyclophosphamide. It was 60% versus 39%. This was statistically significant. It wasn't something that they planned to look into, but it seemed to be a relatively strong finding of the trial. Adverse events were experienced in almost all patients, 96% in cell sept versus 95% in cyclophosphamide. The most common adverse events were infections, 69 versus 62%, GI bleed, 61 versus 67%, and more withdrawals in the cell sept group, 13 versus 7%, but none of these were statistically significant. Again, the study wasn't totally powered to detect small differences in adverse events, but it was a pretty strong study, numbers-wise. Not bad. A pretty good paper that really has influenced our practice. There are some limitations that we should bear in mind. For one, they didn't test cell sept against placebo. We can kind of extrapolate to how poorly we know people do without therapy, but we can't really know for sure. This was also non-blind. It was pretty obvious who was getting what, though they thankfully did use objective endpoints. What do I mean by that? Well, it's pretty easy for someone in a non-blind study on acupuncture of the knee to say, hey, I got the acupuncture, my knee feels great. It's pretty hard for someone who's getting cell sept to say, my creatinine's better now, when we can test that ourselves. So the fact that we're using objective endpoints does kind of help, but you also have to wonder if maybe physicians being non-blinded were treating these patients differently in each of the groups. 
The patients were also not pulsed up front as we do today, so bear that in mind as you're pulsing people. And these post hoc racial findings, which have definitely pushed me towards favoring cell sept even more in African American patients, were not pre specified, and it's basically because they weren't anticipated. Technically, the study did not meet its goal of demonstrating superiority of cell sept over cyclophosphamide. The nice thing about that is that we can use really either one of them at this point. More patients also dropped out of the cell sept group. It's very strange, it was not statistically significant unclear if it's real or not. Like I said, most everyone in this study did experience some kind of adverse events, but it bears repeating that the patients in the cell subgroup were as likely to drop out, if not more. Couple take-home points. So in patients with class 3 to 5 lupus nephritis, cell sept or mycophenolate mofetil, and cyclophosphamide or cytoxin are roughly equivalent with respect to benefit. About two-thirds of patients will normalize their serum creatinine by 24 weeks, which is not that bad. There was a signal towards African-American patients responding better to cell sept than they did in cyclophosphamide. For all those people out there who have treated young African-American patients with lupus nephritis, these are the people that scare you. They get very sick, and it's nice to know that we can give them an oral medicine and spare them the potential reproductive side effects of cyclophosphamide. So, that's it. Next week, we'll be back again to discuss a recent study on a new drug, mepolizumab in eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangiitis. As always, thanks again for listening, and if you'd like to give some feedback on the episodes today, or any of the other ones for that matter, please check us out on Twitter at JBRoom. Thanks again, and have a great week.